Some apps are created to be deleted, like dating apps or home buying apps. Guillermo Fernandez, class of 2012, not only thought his COVID-19 tracking app would hit an expiration date too, he hoped for it. But with the recent resurgence of the virus, not only is Opendemic still open for business, Guillermo and his co-founders are pivoting once more to help their neighbors. How is Guillermo helping COVID survivors spread awareness? I'm Kristen Livingston from Bentley University, and this is How I'm Making It Through. David Hatchwell and Guillermo Fernandez met at Bentley in the late 2000s, before David transferred to a different school. They stayed friends over the years, and in June of 2019, David created an award-winning health app. Guillermo was impressed. The app is called Augie, short for Augmented GI. GI for gastrointestinal health, technically. Um, Where it's like very high-end, very um, artificial intelligence-powered to manage um, gastrointestinal diseases for people that have like Crohn's and and IBS. And basically this derives, like Opendemic derives from the backbone of Augie. So a lot of the things that they tested at Augie and they developed for Augie um, were just very easily transferable into a new server. You could just like copy here, paste here, and at the end of the day, the intellectual property, it's its owned by the same people, so there really isn't like an issue, right? Over a weekend, we basically copy-pasted everything. That, that's why it was so quick. We just wanted to expedite it. So we had that for two weeks while we recruited a team of volunteers um, to dedicate a bunch of hours. I'm telling you about 300 plus hours of, of coding, thinking, etc., to launch what you see now. What users see now is Opendemic, an app that allows you to anonymously report and track COVID cases in your area. So this was you, David, and another Bentley friend, Alfonso Martinez. When did you guys kick this off? So um, I can tell the exact date, but it was somewhere in the early April, and it it really kicked off very fast. First, Mm -hmm. because we were one of the ones to be first in this space. John Hopkins had developed their dashboard since very early on because they were tracking the disease from the moment it started in China. So they, they have one of the you know most respected epidemiology centers in the United States. And they also have the funding and the resources to, to, to really, you know, like get these things going on a daily basis. So they don't only track COVID, they, they have tracked every single disease, including seasonal flu. We noticed very quickly that on their dashboard, it would show the state. But, you know, states in the United States are quite large. Perfect example in New York, where David is and most of the, you know, most of the team is, and in Miami, which is Florida, um, you, you saw these huge numbers, but there was absolute, like, it was pointless and it was meaningless because you saw the number, but there wasn't a reaction on the street. So you could say, you know, 15,000 people are infected and you would see everyday people jogging, no masks, no social distance. And at the end, we sort of concluded, and that was our hypothesis, that the reason why that was happening is because people didn't really feel the connection to someone that had the disease or hadn't like had to go through the 
you know, through the quote unquote pain of, uh, of, of just being connected to it. So we said, what if we showed the granular data and let you know exactly like how close this is to you and how fast it is propagating around you. The very first prototype of OpenDemic went live in late March, and just three weeks later, the site and app we see now were launched. Colored dots on a map denote the severity of the virus by user. Various shades of yellow to orange mark symptoms, red marks a positive case. So walk me through this. I'm a user. I'm COVID positive. I put in the information myself and it's secure, it's anonymous? Yes. So the, the, the way that we did it is that we wanted to make sure that people were inputting their own information. Because if we were the ones to input any data, we would have to be compliant with a, a, a mandatory statute called HIPAA, H-I-I. You've probably heard of HIPAA. It's the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, which was created to protect personal health care information from fraud and theft. Guillermo says that infrastructure would have cost OpenDemic upwards of $100,000 to implement, which they don't have. Having users input the data themselves while remaining anonymous has circumvented the cost. So we decided we need to get around this. And the way to do it was first, we couldn't um, manage any personal information. And nor we, nor, nor we did want to, um, mainly because I think that if you tell someone, you know, I'm going to capture all your data and then show on a map that you have these, less people are going to participate. And that's why we decided to do it anonymized. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like you could report it and, and that's it. But that came with some positive aspects like that one, but it also came with some negatives, which is that if you have two devices, for the platform, it's two different people. Because okay. we, we don't know that it's the same, you know, the same user that has two, three, four, five devices. But better to err on the side of safety, right? You're absolutely right. And, and, and you're right in saying better to err on the side of safety. We, we basically sat down and said, um, you know, what is the problem that we're trying to solve? So we defined that the problem was that there wasn't enough awareness because people didn't feel the connection that was close to them. So we said, you know what? If the same user reports twice, does it still meet our personal goal of showing that the disease is close to you or not and obviously you know like it's as a matter of fact it's almost you could argue it's almost better because now it's creating more conscious so um those reports you could do either symptoms so you could say i have the following symptoms and we basically went to the cdc and grabbed the list of symptoms that are authorized by them uh, because we're not medical professionals so we didn't want to you know like assume something we just had to go through what they told us um or what they're telling everyone and um and the last option is that you could say that you have covid and you would define that as you wish we were basically giving this quote-unquote trust exercise to the community right like you, you could not have anything unreported but it would still meet our personal goal of creating the awareness So if anyone is questioning the numbers that you provide every day, they can just look at the CDC numbers in their state or across the country to verify. And actually, let's talk about numbers. So how many people have signed up for OpenDemic? So so in total, we reported almost 30,000, it's like 29 and high 29,000 geolocations, which basically means means dots on the map. Mm -hmm. Remember, we, we we don't like to talk about users, mainly because... You know, we, we don't know how many people have two, three, four devices. 
Um, and, and, and that's, you know, it, it would be on, untrue to say that it's 30,000 people, but we have 30,000 basically geolocations. And is that in the U.S. or is that globally? That's globally. Um, <laughs> the, yes. The city that did the best in terms of reporting um, was Miami, actually, mm-hmm. because we amazed. We, we really did um, just, just out of luck, um, mere luck, honestly. We were able to be on the news and on newspapers, and it just they, it kept happening. And this is a free app. This is purely volunteerism on your part. Yeah, there's there's absolutely, and and once again, like we don't we, we can't monetize it. Like that's I want to be very clear. Like even if someone, which which it happened by the way, like there was a company, um, uh, an, an insurance company that provides telehealth services that very early on said, you know tell me how much it is. Like, we'll basically like take you guys in technically, uh, you know, acquire you guys for you to develop this. So we can like, we can basically brand or name associated with this. And the problem is that once we touch a dollar, we are not a hundred percent sure of how that could actually end up affecting legally. The fact that we're managing this information for which I consulted with seven or eight different professionals in the in the legal field, and you know, like it, it just isn't. They didn't have a single opinion. Meaning, like I got some people saying, "No, no, you should be fine," and some people say, "Like this is a lawsuit waiting to happen." The first half of this episode was recorded in early June. Guillermo and I next touched base on July fifteenth. 30,000 dots had grown to 42,000 on OpenDemic. The CDC was reporting 3.4 million cases in the U.S. with nearly 136,000 deaths. And Miami, where Guillermo lives, has been called the new epicenter of the virus. Now, when we first spoke, you told me this was an app that's designed to be deleted. I'm guessing that's still the goal, but that finish line, is that even in sight now for you guys? I I just want to be clear, like, we would be happy if the app goes away because it means that the problem it's either gone or over under control up to a point where we don't need to have these tools so that is a happy a scenario you know we we leverage and we created something and we learned from it and it's it's just something nice to have like on our personal uh, curriculums but it would be good if the app dies so we were in that process where um, we were internalizing that we depend on our users to provide us with the information. And the lesser motivated, like the less motivated they were to provide that information meant that they were less worried about COVID as a disease or about catching it. So it was a downward spiral. And we just so happened that our conversation happened at that specific time. Two weeks after it just exploded. The weekend before Guillermo and I spoke, Florida reported more than 15,000 COVID cases in a single day, setting a state record. This is really not wave two, as some people describe it. This is just the consequences of not having taken the right precautions in wave one. Okay, people were out, people were not wearing the masks, people stopped washing their hands, people stopped wearing gloves when, you know, they go to high high-touch surfaces such as supermarkets. Not surprisingly, a lot more people start showing symptoms and, and then being diagnosed with disease. Also, 
not to blame it all on people. Also, the government finally stepped up their testing game. And, and by, you know, by definition, the more people you test, the more positive results you will have. I think that at this point, anyone you speak to knows that the disease is spread and knows that it could be closer to them than they think. And, or perhaps knows even someone that has already caught and tested positive for it. So our tool needs to adapt to solve new issues that people are having. So what, what we came up with, it's we are going to try to address it in two different ways. The solution number one, it's going to incorporate in our map a tool that per zip code tells you whether the velocity of contagious of contagion is increasing or decreasing. That's no problem. That's done. That's programmed. We're working on the front end right now. Um, the second um, tool that we're incorporating, we're having a ton of issues with. We try to consider privacy to be our main focus. We think that as soon as you tie information that it's identifiable, first, people would like to, contrib to, to contribute less, okay? Because people don't want, there's a social stigma in the United States to, to, to saying that you are positive with any disease. It doesn't really matter whether it's COVID or whether it's the flu. Because what we are seeking to do is to be able to send people a text message saying that you were in contact with someone that self-diagnosed or, 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 or self-reported having the disease. So we're gonna call this, you know, like an anonymous alert system. The idea is that if someone reports being positive on the platform, we give them the option to communicate this information to the people they were in contact with, but quote unquote, save them the hassle or the awkwardness of having the conversation. And it just ties up with this social stigma and all these things and, and moral responsibility. So we decided, well, maybe we can do something where we can basically tell these people, hey, you know, we, we will notify them on your behalf and not tell them it was you. We will just send a message saying, hey, this is the OpenDemic team. Uh, you know, someone that you had contact with requested that we notify you that they tested positive for COVID. Please, you know, take precautions. It sounds nice. It is really, you know, a, a, something that we're seeking to do. And we, from the bottom of our hearts, believe it can help. Regulatory-wise, it's been a headache. OpenDemic surveyed more than 170 people who had COVID. Most of them said that the toughest part of having the disease beyond the physical was telling everyone they were positive, especially their colleagues. The headache Guillermo is talking about is a floodgate of potential problems. Will users trust that their data is safe and anonymous? If I receive a text message out of the blue, how do I know it's real? If a user files a lawsuit, because OpenDemic isn't HIPAA compliant, Guillermo and the volunteers who have created this app will be personally responsible for the cost, and they have no way of verifying if a user is telling the truth. So lawsuits are a major concern. You know, it's, it's, it's different in China and, in, and in, in Singapore and in other places where they basically force you to download an app. They assign some code to that app 
and anywhere your phone goes, they specifically know it. They, you know, they know who you had contact with and they can reverse engineer everything whenever you get, um, you know, whenever you get a test and it tests positive, they know exactly who they have to notify. Google and Apple did their own version of that, uh, which is equally invasive, but they call it that it's um, disseminated privacy, basically that it's sort of private. But it's Google and Apple, you know, they, they are trillion dollar companies. We are a six volunteer, $10,000 company. <laughs> so, so, so we're just trying to play the game and see how we can do this. You know, if you come up with an idea that could work for OpenDemic, I will definitely welcome it. If, if someone hearing the podcast has an idea or a recommendation, we would love to hear it and to consider it. How I Made It is produced by me, Kristen Livingston, for Bentley University. Visit opendemic.org, that's O-P-E-N-D-E-M-I-C dot org, to see if there are any COVID cases in your neighborhood. To hear more episodes of this podcast, visit bentley.edu slash howimadeit. And to share your story of making it through the pandemic, send a note to howimadeit at bentley.edu. We'll see you next time. I get hundreds of messages saying, thank you, thank you for doing this. My favorite, it said, God bless you. Like we have gotten so many like God bless you uh, messages. As you should.